What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the show. This is the Mind Your Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Shelton. Today, joining me is Allison Boro. She is the Director of Marketing at 24-Hour Home Care. We get into crisis management as a brand, how they reacted when COVID hit being a service that is just so essential. They provide in-home care, which, yeah, it was just an interesting conversation to hear, you know, how they took on really the approach of saying, okay, there's a crisis going on in the world. Our service is needed. What educational things can we provide to, you know, both our customers, potential customers, but also our staff, our caregivers to go out and really put people's minds at ease, but also provide great care. So it was an interesting uh, conversation. I think you'll enjoy this. Allison's uh, definitely got a, a wealth of knowledge. So I learned something, which if I can share that with you all, I hope that it's valuable. But before we get into it, as always, look, we put on this show. The show is brought to you by us over here at Cave Social. We're a marketing agency that helps companies grow on social media. So you're feeling stuck, need some help on social, head over to cavesocial.com, hit that contact us, book a free consultation. We'd love to help you out. All right, sit back, enjoy this episode. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Mind Your Marketing Podcast. Today, joining me on the show is the Director of Marketing from 24-Hour Home Care, Allison Borough. Allison, how are you doing? Doing well. How are you doing today, Jordan? I am doing well. I'm excited to have you on to talk about something that I think is powerful, and really that is where 24-Hour Home Care was positioned You know, a year ago. You come on, COVID hits, your service is right in the mix of it. It's not auxiliary. It's as essential as it gets. And I'm excited to talk through kind of the hurdles that you had to come over with messaging and how you approach that. But before we do, I want to pass the microphone to you. I want to let you tell your story. How did you find your way into this crazy world of marketing? Yeah, thank you for that and the introduction. And I've actually been listening to your podcast and um, have been humbled by how many people on the show have actually started, uh, made the transition into new careers during or new industries during COVID. So it's been definitely nice to know that I am I am one of many <laughs> and have experienced similar barriers and similar um, also opportunities. And so how I started in marketing. I think I always knew intrinsically that I wanted to be in marketing. I was that kid who had my bedroom walls plastered with print advertisements from absolute ads to anything editorial print. And I transitioned in college and I had some great internships. I lived over in uh, New York at the time where I got a plethora of hands-on experience working with big brands uh, such as Dolce & Gabbana and ABC. And it was really like get myself immersed into every aspect of marketing from brand to creative to also the ad side. And then I hit the ground running and I found an event opportunity. So I started working actually in an event venue um, in New York City. Jordan, I'm going to ask you a question since I used to work in weddings. What do you think the last song is at weddings? Typical last song is in New York City. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's actually uh, in New York City, New York, uh, uh, okay. by Alicia Keys and Jay Z, and I can't listen to that song without recalling my days working at that venue. <laughs> but yeah, so I worked there for a number of years, and I got so much hand-on experience doing corporate and wedding events that I wanted to be the person that walked in the room, as opposed to and you know planned the strategy of it versus the the one opening the doors for you. It was a great experience. And I learned a lot about crisis management. I think 
the biggest takeaway I had was if there's a fire happening in the back of the house, the food of flames, um, no one in the front of the house should know. And that transitioned out into me working in ad tech. So I worked in ad tech starting in events and transitioned into brand marketing and for on the corporate side for about five years. And then I moved out to LA <laughs> in the midst of it. Early on to ad tech days where I, you know, the good tequila cart came around at about happy hour, four o'clock. <laughs> I think we can all remember those exciting times when it was just the boost of so much interest in programmatic and interest in the black box and getting transparency around how people were spending their margins. And so I moved to LA in 2015 and I've actually been here ever since. So last year I took the leap of faith of changing over from ad tech to healthcare and started in March and uh, there was a pandemic. And I remember emailing Ryan saying, this is going to be an interesting first couple of weeks for me. And in a week's time, we had to transition our brand messaging to make sure that we were hitting on what needed to be digested in the marketplace and, and receptive. So talk to me through that, right? Where like, okay, you email Ryan, the CEO, and you now are in this new position, new industry, but you're at the forefront, right? So 24-hour home care, explain the service offering for listeners who are like, okay, what does the company do? Yeah, absolutely. So we are an in-home service, in-home care service provider for the seniors and also disabled. It's also people discharging from hospitals that need additional hands around the house to help them out. So we provide non-medical care, which is essential. Um, I think about myself living alone in LA and if something were to happen to me, I would need an extra set of hands to make sure I can get live my daily life. So again, we were working with the most vulnerable populations, seniors, as well as children with disabilities who, you know, were definitely impacted by COVID the hardest. We have the children with disabilities who would go to after school care programs that was no longer. So all that being said, you know, we had an essential need and a service to provide and we had to change the way we talked about ourselves, the way we, our safety packaging and programming was to make sure that we were compliant with, with all the news and the updates and the protocols that were being pushed out. Yeah. Talk to me about that because at that time and still today, right, you see nursing homes have received a slew of bad press and a lot of it deserved. And you're an auxiliary service that you're an alternative. Yes. And that sentiment towards that, right, towards those situations was it an uphill battle really? Okay, saying we have to educate and put out a ton of content on how we are different and how this is safe because you're also not only battling the sentiment towards that service at like a facility, but two, at that time a year ago, everybody was like, close my door, don't come in. Yeah. Like it was a COVID shit, that first couple of weeks, it was like, don't talk to, like get the toilet paper and don't talk to anybody. <laughs> so, right, like- Walk me through how that went from was it strategy sessions, like all hands on remote deck to like figure out a plan? Was it just a prioritization on education? Where did you all go first? Yeah, good question. So I started on March 30th, March 30th, the last week of the month. And I knew prior to that, I was emailing with Ryan, co founder, and he was just like, we're focusing on just procuring PPE from wherever we can get it and trying to get it in the hands of our caregivers and our clients as soon as possible. And that was even an education lift on the benefits of PPE. Um, we were seeing, you know, people in the hospital setting 
you know, doctors, nurses, administrators utilizing those tools and walking away, you know, without some of the repercussions of the COVID-19. And we recognized, you know, our competitor for all those years is the nursing homes, skilled nursing facilities, even our competitors in this space wasn't our competitor anymore. It was fear. It was the unknown of what was going to happen if we allowed someone in the home. And then by no fault to our caregivers, I empathize with them too. It's, it's like getting them out to go in the field to work and to provide that essential service and really be those heroes that are helping those that it's either you go to a nursing home or you go back to the hospital, essentially. And those weren't safe places. So how do we promote that we're welcoming and safe? And I remember starting and every single day we met as a leadership team, focusing on like communication strategy, training sessions. Uh, We were met with uh, groups and legal advisors. And uh, one of our team members became Mr. Andrew Bo Fauci, and he would just sit for hours scanning publications and trying to give us the most real-time information that was coming in from news outlets. And it was really just a crisis management bubble. And we succeeded. We ended up winning awards for our response. We had extremely like 0.01% of transmission risks because our caregivers took their service and their calling seriously and masked up. And our clients felt felt safe in the home versus going to those other outlets. And that really is interesting too, right? Because there's two educational fronts that you have to fight, right? One is to the consumer to say, hey, let this person in your home. But then two, educating those caregivers. Was that a, you know, joint effort? Or did somebody lead that up? Or was like, in terms of balancing those, right? Because those are really the people on the ground who are going to make that person feel safe. Was that like, I would assume that was pretty high priority. Um, Yeah. 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 (laughs) Was that do you think I mean, it's hard to say one or the other is more effective, but really, how big was that emphasis on training? Well, it's also, you know, when you provide a service, any type of service, you're not behind the closed doors, right? So we're kind of immobilizing a service. And it did start with our caregivers. So I partnered very closely with people ops to make sure that we were sending out frequent communication. We were also doing direct mail of supplies. We were doing direct mail from everything from thermometers. We were certifying their symptoms. So our operations team put some protocols in place. And then we also accelerated those learning and development tools of how to put on PPE properly, how to take off PPE properly, things that now are going to be so commonly known and utilized, I think, for the rest of our lives with flu seasons and anything else that occurs. But it wasn't the normalcy situation pre-2020. So it was right. communication strategy uplift of caregivers first and then our care, our clients as well to make sure that they were informed of all the steps and measures we were taking. And it's interesting. You said something that you learned in the event space, which was if there's a fire in the back, you know, don't let the people out front know. And it's really don't letting the fire spread past who needs to handle it and who can handle it, because yes. otherwise you're just adding unnecessary stress to yes. other people who are out in the field. How important was that learning you know, from the event space and now taking it over to 24 hour home care when this was all starting and like, you know, oh crap, we can't get PPE or it's late or who knows what's going on. Right. And having to keep that messaging still like cool, calm and collected for the whole team. Was that, uh, did you have any callbacks to those event days? (laughs) I think, yes, definitely. I think as any growing leader, the thing that you learn is self-regulation. I think that was a big term that was thrown around in the beginning of COVID. It's how to handle your emotions and not act 
super reactive and sit back and actually digest before you make decisions or articulate. And then we also had a great leadership team that championed our co-founders are so hands-on. So it wasn't hard for me to feel supported in the decisions that were being made because we all, all fought, thought and stepped up and said, this is where we step up now. Like we take those small risks, we take those risks. And if we say something wrong, we own it with courage and we, because everyone doesn't know <laughs> if they're saying the right things one day to the wrong thing the next. And I think for me, it was very much of making sure that I had a team beside me that was connected by the common cause. That's huge, right? Is having that team beside you because you can make sure that you're all marching in the same direction. And speaking of that, what is the next direction? Where does 24-hour home care go now, which is hopefully we're on the tail end, the last chapter of COVID and moving past, what is next for the company? You know, from a marketing perspective, is there anything new coming down the pipe we should expect? Yeah, alluded to it earlier on how in a matter of a week, we needed to change our brand messaging to being all about safety. And that will continue on. So we've definitely hit that drumbeat, made sure and we've evangelized that in the marketplace through all of our channels and channel dissemination. When I started too, it was I was a team of one for a while. So I've scaled my team now to, to a team of five, which is exciting. And I have my subject matter experts. But what's next is really being thought of earlier on in someone's process of aging in place, partnering with not only our hospital and our community partners in the space, but really thinking about aging differently. And I know California just passed a master plan for the next 10 years and Biden's heavily regulated about what caregiving for the future looks like because the reality of caregiving is historically someone in the family would have had to give up a career. Typically that would lend itself to be the female in the family. So a daughter and we're in a society now that people want to work and the female forces out there and we're fantastic and we're growing and we need to support that change of environment and we need to support our peers. So again, how caregiving can be a solution and external sources from everything from funding to, you know, being included earlier on in the process so people don't feel so alone and we provide that respite care, that additional hands um, so they can take break. That's really where we're headed next is how we can provide care earlier on in the aging or in the post-discharge hospital process. Right. And helping people understand like what like you're saying earlier on, what it is, what actions to take before it's like, oh, crap, I've been helping someone in my family for three, four years, and I'm on the edge of a mental breakdown. Now yes. I need help. It's knowing that that was there previously. That makes sense. That's it's something that's definitely needed. Allison, thank you so much for coming on today. Before I let you go, let people know where can they learn more about 24-hour home care and connect with you online? Yeah, you can learn more about our brand and our company. And we're out of California, Arizona, and Texas. It's www.2hrcares. So 2hrcares.com. And you can learn more about me on my LinkedIn, Allison Barrow. Follow me and I'll be sure to give you a follow back. Amazing. I will put links to all of that in the show notes page so you all can go check out 24-Hour Home Care and connect with Allison. Once again, thank you so much for coming on today. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Jordan. Have a good one. All right, everybody, that's it for this episode. As always, I'm your host, Jordan Shelton, and I'll catch you next time. Um.